Welcome to our 47th episode of DevCom in the Lab, a production of the U.S. Army Futures Command's DevCom. I'm your host, Kyle Bond, and member of the Headquarters Commander's Action Group. Most of us take for granted that our GPS device or app will work when we go to use it, but we now know this is something soldiers can't assume when it comes to operating during engagement. GPS, aka positioning, is one element of what we call PNT, or position, navigation, and timing. Specifically, the Army stood up a cross-functional team to establish assured PNT. We know peer and near peers have the ability to jam and constrain PNT, and that means we need to get solutions that ensure we have the edge if we were to face them. Today's episode will address that. I have three guests that I'm excited to have join us. This group shows you just how important partnerships are in the world we work in. Today's guests represent the cross-functional team, a DevCom center, and an organization that is part of ASALT's program executive offices. During this episode, we'll speak with Mr. Michael Caparelli, who is the chief of the Emerging Technologies branch in the Position, Navigation, and Timing division at DevCom C5ISR center. He's responsible for directing PNT mission technology programs in the area of applied research and advanced technology development, as well as providing customer support to project manager PNT. Mr. Caparelli is required to make decisions and recommend investments in navigation, sensor development, sensor fusion application, and integrity monitoring techniques to maximize Army PNT operational capabilities. We'll also speak with Mr. Christopher Jayas. He assumed the responsibilities of the product manager for position navigation and timing modernization in October. As a part of the program executive office for intelligence, electronic warfare, and sensors, Falling under his jurisdiction is operating the Open Innovation Lab, or OIL, a comprehensive open source space intended to bring together government, academia, and industry to find material solutions for military needs at a much faster rate. He's been with the acquisition course since 2008 and entered the civilian service in 2004. But up first, we speak with Mr. Ben Pinks, who has served for seven and a half years as a U.S. Army as both a communication operator with the Signal Corps and as a Patriot crew member with the 43rd Air Defense Artillery Regiment. Mr. Pinks held positions of leadership within the Army and private industry. He recently transitioned from the PNT Space CFT, where he was the director of the Integration Directorate, and now serves as the Experimentation Director here at DevCom's Science Technology Integration Team. While with the CFT, Mr. Pinks led the creation of both the Position, Navigation, and Timing Assessment exercise, called Pentax, and the Sensor-to-Shooter exercise in support of the Army's modernization campaign. Thanks for being with us, Mr. Pinks. Thanks. So, uh, APMT Space CFT, um, what we contribute to the Army modernization is we have three signature efforts, um, obviously assured positioning, navigation, and timing, uh, navigational warfare, and space. E- each of those um, are directorates that are charged with integrating and supporting both the s community there at DevCom and bringing those technologies, um, not just from s and um, at DevCom, but also from industry over into the programs of record um, like PM, uh, EWNC, uh, which is electronic warfare and cyber, PM, PNT, positioning, navigation, and timing, um, and other PM uh, and PEOs um, like that. At the beginning, I had mentioned uh, Pentax. Um, can you tell us a little, what exactly is Pentax and uh, how is that being used to support Army modernization? Thanks, Ian. Um, so it's an open air exercise um, where basically it's a GPS challenged environment. 
we bring out um, best of what industry has to offer. Um, we bring out all of our S&T capabilities that are currently in development and at the right TRL level, the technology readiness level, to WISMER, the White Sands Missile Range, um, and we uh, employ those capabilities out in an open air environment where we challenge the GPS uh, signal base, right? And that can be anything from uh, jamming to other nefarious uh, actions against the GPS signals um, so that we can ass better assess the uh, systems and the soldiers' reactions uh, in those different environments um, so that the S&T and industry partners um, and other DOD partners, to be fair, um, we have uh, the Air Force and the Navy um, come out and participate as well so that they can better characterize, again, their, their systems and the soldiers' reactions in those challenged environments so that we can shape the dot mill PFP process and the uh, future requirements. So, so part with Pentax then definitely the uh, assessed, the analyzed information is then used, it kind of goes back, you said, to be able to support the, the requirements. Is there a reason, is this something specific to Wismer for that location, or is that kind of like a designated space that the Army uses, or is there something that makes that space unique? Uh, yeah, so uh, where we're at in Wismer, it's the north end of the White Sands Missile Range, so west of Fort Bliss, um, just uh, east of Albuquerque. And so if you were to look at it um, from a top-down geographic perspective, it, it provides you a, neat, a unique bowl, a geographic bowl that you can go into um, and turn on all your different signals um, to jam and, and apply nefarious effects against the, the GPS signal base. Um, and, and other GNSS signals um, as required. And what it, what it helps us do is it helps us contain um, any of those nefarious signals that would have an effect on the FCC or FAA uh, statutory regulations, right? So for instance, FCC, we end up having to do all our stuff from 11 at, at night, so 2300 through 0600 in the morning, um, because per the FCC, that's the uh, national maintenance window. Um, and as long as you're not not kind of messing with the uh, first responders signal base, um, we're okay with that. And we don't really get into that, but the first responders uh, can and, and will use uh, the GPS signals um, in support of their mission sets, as well as FAA, right? So airlines. From about 10, 11 o'clock at night till 5 in the morning, there's very little air traffic, and they're able to better reroute some of that air traffic around our area so that we can do the things we need to do at the scale we need to do it with the energy levels that are required so that uh, the DEVCOM, um, the ASALT, and, and other DOD partners in industry can get a very good look at the, uh, the effects on their systems. Thank you. So, so Pentax, can you tell us how it will be integrated with uh, the upcoming Project Convergence 21 later this year? Great question. So, um, what Pentax provides uh, Project Convergence is that unique environment to actually assess the capabilities that AFC is bringing out to the Project Convergence, right? And so Project Convergence is going to be executed across the Yuma Proving Ground and the White Sands Missile Range. The lead uh, planning execution arm of that is uh, the Joint Modernization Command. And so what we're going to be able to provide is there's a number of use cases and mission threads. I'll use one as an example, a leader follower, right? So um, you have a occupied vehicle with a number of other following vehicles that are 
going to end up helping do resupply out in the tactical edge, um, where you're going to experience those those GPS nefarious signals, the jamming and other things. And so this will be, be an opportunity for us to assess those capabilities within those platforms to see how they actually operate and or react in those environments. Because nothing says success like having your resupply follower vehicle just run off on its own and now you don't know where it's at and it just shows up in the wrong place to the wrong people. So um, that's what it really provides uh, Project Convergence is that is that look at what that, uh, that GPS denied or challenged environment's going to be uh, – have the effect on our soldiers and, and uh, platforms. Thanks, Ben. Uh, what I want to do is I, w- I want to shift the conversation a little bit. We, um, as I introduced earlier, we have uh, Mr. Mike Caparelli. Mike, uh, talk to us a little about from from your perspective the, the role of the PNT division within DevCom. Thanks, Kyle. Um, right. So the PNT division. So we're in DevCom, and so DevCom's role here is to focus on applied research or basic research and applied research. So anywhere from six two to six three funded research. We sit in the technology readiness level of anywhere from about two to three to about six or seven, really focusing on the three to the six range. And then in the beginning, like I said, two to three, we focus on that transition of technologies coming from from DARPA or the Army Research Lab, ARL, or now the new uh, Army Applications Lab, AAL. So working on the six, two, or the, the TRL one, two technologies, we help take those things. We do more additional basic research, do applied research, do some technology demonstration to get it to a TRL six, seven range. And then we work with our PM transition partners to transition that technology over to them. So that way they have a path to get it out to the field to the warfighter. Now, does the work that you guys transition go to a, a great variety of organizations or are there like acquisition organizations that you guys are, are more closely aligned or partnered with? Yeah, so we we support any um, PM, program manager office, or PEO office um, that has that has a need for t- uh, position navigation or timing technologies. Um, so the PNT division within DevCom, we particularly focus on mounted and dismounted applications. So our transition partner that we work the most with is program manager PNT, um, that's all the, the product managers, uh, maps, DAPs, so mounted assured PNT, uh, dismounted, and then also uh, the PNT, the new PNT modernization group. But we do have uh, some additional partners that we work with. Um, you know, we support the, the the assured PNT CFT in test events. They mentioned Pentax, so we actually provide some logistical support uh, for both testing, uh, system setup, system uh, integration, and then also data analysis on the back end. Yeah, and we are going to talk to Chris Jay um, a little bit later uh, about the role that the program executive office of IEWS in the acquisition side. But let's let's take a step back again. Uh, describe to me how the S&T community, the acquisition organizations, and as we've talked about, the cross-functional teams or CFTs are working together to modernize, modernize um, the Army and expedite the transition of the technology you've brought up, you've, you've discussed uh, Getting it, I guess, sooner we can get the best technology to the warfighter. Sure. So, um, as I said, we we focus more on technology readiness level TRL three to six, and then we try to we do our best to align ourselves to our transition partner. As we develop technology and mature it, demonstrate it. Sometimes what you have happen is there's this traditional valley of death between S and T, um, science and technology, research and development, and then ultimately getting that technology out to the field. So my understanding and my perspective on how all this plays together between 
the S&T community, the acquisition community, and the CFT is that alignment of all the work that we're doing. So the stuff that we're working on, the basic research, the applied research that we're doing, we are more aligning to the roadmaps and the the fielding and the sustainment plans that the PMs are working towards. And the cross-functional team is there to help us do that through alignment, through S&T and PM uh, technology deep dives. And then, you know, as, as Ben mentioned, the, the P&T assessment exercise, which gives us an opportunity actually to demonstrate our technologies in an operational environment and actually help allow us to reach that technology readiness level six, which is that mark where we start looking to transition that to an acquisition community. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that. Uh, and it works for a perfect transition right into uh, Chris. Chris, talk to us a little about the organization you work for and talk a little about the, the PDM, PNT modernization office that was recently stood up. Hey, thanks, Kyle. Yeah, so uh, Mike did a really good job of just kind of talking about that that transition, right? So from S&T over to products and, and ultimately delivering capability to the field and, and putting it in the hands of soldiers. So where, where my office uh, comes in and, and recently stood up is that that's our sole focus, right? Our sole focus is to accelerate that transition to the product offices from the S&T community, from industry, from academia, uh, really with the idea of of getting getting solutions and capability out to the soldier faster than before, right? And, and ensuring that we're properly aligned from a product office. So as as these technologies arise, right, they have a home and they can they can fit into, you know, particularly within our PM shop in our either our mounted or our dismounted applications. Uh, Mike Mike mentioned that that valley of death. And that's that's where we, you know, historically you see technologies never make it. So I think with that alignment, that's the goal, right? Is so that they you, you have less products falling into the valley of death and they actually get to a home. The, the other piece of this is really being able to reprioritize, right? So as emerging technologies uh, come out, um, we can quickly identify those and then pull those into the product lines and, and work with our partners um, to do that, right? So, so we're not into those traditional stovepipe, long, lengthy acquisition, five to eight years, but now we can get into cycles of, you know, 18 months to, to two years of getting capability out to the field. Another uh, program that came up that I think is one of yours, you could talk a little about um, maps and DAP systems. Uh, they gather far more soldier touch points than ever before, but why, why is that important? And how do you do that? And I think that, you know, talking about that, the valley of death and talking about transitioning, you know, so much talk is about these soldier touch points. So I was hoping you could tell us about those those two programs and uh, the importance of those soldier touch points. Yeah, absolutely. So the 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 mounted and dismounted applications um, are, are essentially what you would think of. Right. So mounted, think of it. Uh, you know, I, I like to just liken it to GPS for your for your car, right? But we'd, we'd put those on platforms, right? So, you know, whether it's a striker or, you know, Humvee, whatever it may be. And then the dismounted is, you know, the equivalent of our phones in our everyday lives to a soldier, right? So giving them a PNT capability that they can have, you know, on their hands, hands for dismounted applications. Um, and, and as you can imagine, having soldier input into that early on really leads to early user adoption. And that's the whole idea of talking to soldiers early, 
incorporating feedback, understanding how they may use this technology um, so that when you, you know, in, in traditional times, right, you would you would wait until you got to your operational test. And that might be the first time you actually gave this to soldiers. Well, if that's the first time you're, you're giving it to a soldier, um, all the capability is baked in. You know, any redesign is going to be a lot costlier, whereas now you, you're taking, you know, almost concepts out to the to the soldiers and you're getting feedback right so you might have either uh prototypes in in some cases we've just taken concepts in terms of powerpoint slides and said hey this is what we're thinking how would you use this and usually what you get back from that is and you gotta it's a it's a a scientific kind of problem is you get a lot of good opinion um, and really where you got to figure out is okay what is the best answer to meet this large audience right so um you know, you can't just go off of the opinion of of one or two soldiers. Uh, so you think so as as Ben talked about Pentax, right? That's another ability for us to get soldier input. It's not always easy getting soldier input, and it's especially not easy getting soldier input in um, the the actual threat environment, right? So so when our initial initial kind of conversations with soldiers has been like, well, why do I need this, right? I, I haven't encountered um, a PNT denied environment to this point. I use a Garmin wristwatch, and it's great. Well, when you take them out to an event like Pentax and you go, okay, what's your Garmin doing? And they, it, it's not working. And you show, you show the device that, you know, that we're procuring and we're working on next to it. And you say, how's that working? They go, that's great, but can you make it smaller? Can you make it, you know, a little lighter? And now that gives our engineers, you know, additional work to do early on in the process. Again, waiting until you've already, you know, you've fully designed this thing and you're ready to go. So, on our mounted and our dismounted products, we've really embraced that idea of uh, soldier feedback very early. Um, and then also, if it's if it's not a, a suggestion maybe that you can build into that initial capability, it's something that we can now build into the next increment. Or when we go out to industry and talk to them, we have some additional requirements that we can reach out and say, hey, you know, this is the next thing we're looking for. So it, it not only helps on the, you know, the current uh, capability you're working on, but also future capabilities. We're talking about the soldier touch points, and you you bring up the great example. A lot of you know many of these soldiers, right, don't understand or haven't been in a, a GPS denied or um, restricted environment. I mean, and this really this question really is for any of the the three folks um, on the on the uh, call right now. Can you talk to us a little about why you know why this focus on PNT might be warranted? Talk about just a little bit more about that. I think that's an uh, audience might be curious. Why now um, are we having this conversation? Yeah, I, I guess I'll kick it off, and then um, you know Ben and, and Mike you can jump in. I think I think it's just the the reliance on um, GPS, right? So so again, I'll, I'll just take it to our everyday lives. We we use GPS for everything. You know, every time we step in our car, we we don't even think about it, but we but we it's 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 with us, right? We go for a run, we turn it on, it, it tracks kind of where we're going. Um, and I think within our, our weapon systems, it's the same thing. So there's this reliance on GPS that, you know, that for the most part, soldiers don't have to think about. It's just there. So now when we walk into, you know, into a conflict and there is a, a degraded or a denied environment, um, all of a sudden things don't work the way that we thought they would or, or they've worked in the past. So we're really trying to get, you know, you know, not only, you know, solve that initial problem, but then be at a point where we're outpacing the threat so that we have, you know, multi-layered technologies, and and it goes back to that. It's a it's an afterthought, right? It's just there. The soldier knows, you know, knows its location, has good timing sources, and I think that's just that, that's why the focus on PNT right now. So if I could jump in and, and 
kind of give Chris some supporting fires here with what he said. So the, the problem that I see is that we talk a lot about an anti-access area denial, A2AD bubble, right? We're going to have to fight in this bubble. And it, I liken that to telling a, a you know, a five-year-old, hey, that stove is hot. There's no flame. It's an electric stove. It's hot, but you don't know until you touch it, right? And so um, today's generation has been fighting a war where we've had just absolute dominance over the indigenous people and the areas that we've gone into, right? Because of technology and, and the size of our force and things of that nature. So now we're, we're, we're not near peer, we're peer peer looking at the two adversaries that we have to go head to head with, right? Um, and both of those adversaries can create the A2AD bubble. And if you look at an O plan, right? An operational plan for an, for an, for an army formation in either Europe or, or China, right, and USER or USER pack. what we're looking at is there's, there's layers of A2AD. One of those layers is going to be GPS-challenged um, environments, right? And so that's an easy one because of the level that the GPS power is coming down from space, right? And so Chris knows this, Mike knows this very well. It's easily jammed. So they're going to throw all the easy stuff at us and try and hold us at bay as, as long as they can as they bring up their munitions and try and get overmatch on us. The best way for us to not just establish overmatch, but maintain overmatch is to provide these systems that Mike is developing in the lab with the industry partners and, and internal DOD partners that he's transitioning over to Chris's um, program uh, of records, the offices there in pmp and and other PM shops, so that the soldiers, when they go in there, and I'll use one example, the 18th Airborne Corps is going to do a joint forcible entry into a part of USER. Where they're going to land, they're going to be less than 100 kilometers from a Russian force. They need those capabilities, so when they hit, they're fighting. They're not waiting hours to figure it out. They're fighting as they hit the ground. So I think that's the importance um, of the capabilities that, that both Mike and Chris and the APNT CFT space team um, through its partnership, you know, with the integration and, and some of the things that we bring to the fight. Um, that's how we're getting these capabilities out to the soldiers. And I'll, and I'll, I'll step off now and let Chris and Mike add to that. No, I, I just kind of to echo that. I think that's why, you know, when we started talking about process um, and you see all these things that we're trying to do differently, um, at least within, you know, within this uh, uh, CFT um, not only with the alignment and things like that, but also, you know, just just trying different acquisition means, right? Trying, you know, other transaction authorities just so we can get prototypes in early. So we're we've been aggressive from that standpoint, from a not only from the acquisition standpoint point, but also from the the S and T standpoint of of trying things differently than we have in the past. And and I'll just you know I I would I, I'll throw in here, you know, we stood up this this open innovation lab, right? And uh, as part of a partnership with, you know, the PM and, and um, uh, DevCom and some other uh, some of the other PEOs, actually. And it's really that idea of getting industry in early, collaborating and assessing just to just to make things move faster. Right. So stop kind of the traditional processes that we followed up to this point and just try things new. Right. Get things in quickly, assess quickly and, and see if it works. Right. And then and move on from that. Yeah. So, hey, this is Mike Caprelli. So, yeah, Chris brings up a great, great point here with the Open Innovation Lab. You know, really, as he said, it's, you know, that collaboration piece. So you got S&T, you've got the acquisition and you got industry and, and academia and all these people work in the problem. But how do we all come together and work on this stuff together? 
you know, we're driving after modular open systems approaches for, for PNT. We're driving after, you know, in the innovation lab, how do you bring those component level, the algorithm level th things together, integrating them together, trying them out against um, being able to try them out in different form factors, swapping components out, and then ultimately taking those things out to, you know, putting them up against a GPS simulator and a, um, and in the lab threats, and then ultimately at the pen taxes that um, the CFT is working and, and project convergence and putting them up against real world threats. Now you have that chain where you can start doing an integration on a component and quickly demonstrate capabilities uh, both in a lab and then ultimately lead up to a field event. And then, you know, realistically get soldier feedback at those field events, learn a little bit, come back, and you're, then you're rolling into this, you know, DevOps cycle where you, you can continuously make improvements, you continuously refine your, your approach and your technologies. You know, ultimately, like Chris said, it's, it's getting that technology out to the warfighter sooner, not waiting on a long, like long development cycle, not trying to, you know, hit the mark five, 10 years from now, but we're trying to hit that mark, you know, sooner than that. What is the biggest uh, takeaway you'd like folks to, who are listening to the podcast, to be able to pull away from each of your organizations and your role within supporting uh, APNT and, and the PNT efforts here for the Army? And really no particular order. Just, you know, if any of you guys have a, a final thought. Hey, this is this is Chris. Maybe I'll kick it off and, and, and then turn it over to, to Ben and Mike. But I, I, I think I think the big takeaway is and, and Mike and Ben hit it is alignment. Right. So in the past, we've all done these things kind of in our own our own bubbles. Right. And, and yeah, well, there's transition agreements and there's, you know, there's the conversations that have been had. Uh, but but the the area that we're striving to get to, and we're not we're not there yet, but we're we're doing better is is really pulling in all these 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 efforts, right? That that are powerful events, right? A thing like Pentax can be a really powerful event because it's it's not something that usually vendors have access to, um, and the the Open Innovation Lab is not something that that we've done in the past. But putting those together into kind of an overarching framework that allows all of us to kind of tackle the problem together is really, I think, the, the takeaway. And I think you see that just as we as we talk through this and we talk about kind of our own areas, but how much impact we have on each other. And, and so we, we continue to strive to have that alignment, you know, from an organizational standpoint, but also from a technology standpoint and a capability standpoint. Yeah, I think Chris really just stole my thought is, you know, my word was going to be synergy and, and I know he used alignment at and, you know, realistically, that's what we're trying to get after is that synergy between the S&T and, and the acquisition community. And I think the CFTs have really enabled that. You know, one thing I always come away from is, you know, PNT is a unique uh, community. And, and you see that a lot if you go to a conference. You see the same people and you work with a lot of the same people. And especially in the Army is, you know, everyone focuses on PNT, but we all focus on a lot of times for an application. So where we at C5 ISR Center, we're working on mounted and dismounted applications. We're supporting PNP and T. But there's other people in the Army working PNT problems for airborne platforms, for missile platforms. We all work together, and the CFTs kind of brought all those organizations together and helped us align and, and, and really share information and share what we're working on. So that way we can all work together and, and get that synergy together from the S&T community to the acquisition community, and then ultimately, you know, get this stuff out to the soldiers. So I absolutely concur with, with both Chris and Mike there. So I, I, I think if, if I was getting off the stage and wanted to share what I, I believe the CFT has provided is, uh, so when I first uh, was approached by Mr. Nelson, um, the APNT CFT director, and was asked to come 
you know, work there at the APT CFT. You know, cross-functional teams had both a it was a good news story and a bad news story, depending on who you spoke to across the army, right? I think both Chris and Mike hit on a lot of the good news stories that the CFT has has been able to to help do what it was supposed to, right? What it was chartered to do is which is be cross-functional, bridge the gaps, bring people together, break down the barriers, um, all of those types of things. And then it's the focus um, after I'd been in a couple briefings with Mr. Nelson um, uh, and Lieutenant General Richardson was, you know, Lieutenant General Richardson's big on soldier touch points, right? And so what does Pentax do for both Chris and Mike, right? Um, and, 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 as well as industry is, is it gives that the right soldier touching the right equipment, right? Because a soldier touch point, and I'm not disparaging any soldiers here, but you take a, take a, a cook and, and put a, put an LRAS in their hand and ask them to, Hey, tell me if this is going to work right. They don't have a, there's no functional knowledge of that, that piece of hardware. And what we provide at Pentax is that, that unique opportunity for, Chris and Mike and the, and the industry partners, because um, again, they have as much invested in this as is the DOD because of all their IRAD and what Chris and Mike are telling these these companies, hey, this is where I think we need you to go to help us get there sooner. So um, I would just, like I said, my, my getting off the stage comment would be that uh, I think all of the CFTs uh, across the, the the Army there, across AFC, have, have really done that thing that Lieutenant General Richardson and General Murray tasked us to do, which is be cross-functional, work work within ourselves, the CFTs, um, as well as bringing your PEOs and those PM shops and the and your S and T partners together. Well, I very much appreciate uh, all of you three taking some time out this afternoon to uh, to meet with us here uh, virtually to have this discussion. Uh, I think it's an important one, uh, as you, I think most people probably take for granted. PNT assured, or be it GPS, uh, we see it every day. I, I know it's one of those things. Goodness, years ago when I started, we go talk to soldiers, and they would, you know, it, you know, it's in my phone. How come we can't be somewhere? You know, the the concept to most people wouldn't understand the challenges and uh, that we might be potentially facing uh, as a, a, a military uh, going forward. So uh, I, I love hearing the stories of the work that's being done. Uh, to, to get the best capability into the soldiers' hands. I just want to say thank you guys very much for, for your time, and I uh, uh, look forward to watching the and hearing more about the progress within PNT and hearing the results of the hopefully successes that come out of Pentax and uh, Project Convergence later this year. If you enjoyed today's episode, please drop a like, and if you haven't already, please subscribe to ensure you receive notifications when we launch new episodes. For more current news on CCDC, follow us across our social media. This is Kyle Bond. Thanks for listening to CCDC in the Lab.